Home isn't just a place, it's a state of mind. Like curling up in a comfy chair while it's cold outside. With a warm drink, or maybe even a wine in hand. As you watch the world go by outside your window. Mmm, short rib. Good afternoon, this is your captain speaking. Which is why at Delta, our people do our best to make you feel at home. Refill? Long before you get there. Delta, keep climbing. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Hello and welcome to another episode of I Weigh with Jamila Jamel, a podcast that wants shame to die. I hope you're well. I'm all right. I think I'm starting to, I'm either in shock as to how bad things are in the world or I'm starting to process it all and starting to breathe again and recognise that it's it, it might actually be okay and we still do have time to turn many things around and I'm just trying to deep breathe my way through it. I have also been reunited with my dog uh, in the last couple of days since my last uh, slightly frenetic intro for this podcast. And so that's probably also helped and calmed me down massively because I haven't seen him for 10 fucking weeks. And so that's been great. If you haven't seen my dog, head onto my Instagram and look at my highlight called Barreled for truly the best part of your day. I know everyone says that, but my dog really is fucking fantastic. Um, anyway. So I'm I'm starting to uh, get ready for the fight ahead. I think that's the mode I'm in. I'm in the calm before the storm, and I hope I hope you're feeling similar or nearly there. And I hope that you're okay. And I think about you a lot, and I wonder how you're all doing because it's really easy to feel powerless, but we aren't powerless. We are we are actually the ones who have all of the power in our hands. We're just never told that so that we don't use it. And now it's time to know it, to use it and to win. Today's episode is so good and so important and inspiring and funny and and silly and deep and all of the things that one could hope for of a podcast episode. My guest is Lauren Lolo Spencer, and she is an extraordinary activist, a disability activist in particular, a lifestyle influencer, an actress, a model, a public speaker, and a content creator. She has this amazing YouTube channel called Sitting Pretty that shows a very realistic and uplifting and fun and warts and all side of, of disability and living with one and, and how it doesn't have to impede your your happiness or your freedom or your sex life. She's just incredibly open and cool and we just never see enough of this sort of content in the world. She's also, I mean, she's a Spirit Award nominee uh, alongside people like J-Lo and Octavia Spencer, an extraordinary actress who's taking on really meaty and interesting and cool and different roles. 
uh, unlike the ones normally, I mean, not even offered to people with disabilities. Normally, you get a non-disabled actor to play those parts, and then they win an Oscar. Um, but Lauren is changing all of that. She's also in the Sex Life of College Girls, Mindy Kaling show, and that's just been renewed for a second season. She's a fabulous part of that show. So just find her. She goes by Lolo Spencer, and she's the best. And she's so special and I think she's going to be around for a really long time as a mainstay presence in this industry. She's so fun. I loved this chat so much. I could have gone on for hours and I'm genuinely, sometimes in this podcast, I actually make friends with people right in front of you and I actually go on to become friends with them afterwards. It's happened with several guests now and I think I think Lauren Lolo Spencer is going to be one of them. She's just a breath of fresh air and her voice is so important and I want you to listen to this episode even if you do not have a disability even if you don't know anyone who's had a disability even if you've never met anyone who has one you never know what can happen in life and it's good to be prepared and it's also just good to understand your neighbour it makes you so much less afraid so much of discrimination comes from fear of the unknown so don't allow it to be unknown anymore Listen to episodes like this, follow people like her, watch the content, understand and start to recognise that these differences are not as valid as we think they are. They're not important enough to create this divide that we have between disabled and non-disabled people. This awkwardness isn't necessary. And I say this as someone who has been visibly disabled and then invisibly disabled and then not at all disabled. I've been all I've been all the things and I'm still the same person throughout. The same thread of my humanity runs through all of those different versions of me. And so I hope you enjoy this chat. I loved it. It's um it's very bold <laughs> and there's nowhere that we don't go. It goes everywhere from advocacy to sex to yeast infections to to growing up in school and our changing society to the healthcare system. It's, we cover everything. And so message me afterwards, message Lauren Lolo Spencer and tell her how you feel about her extraordinary work. Just get involved and I send you lots of love and I hope you enjoy it. It's just the fun, mostly lighthearted content I think maybe we need in the world right now. So enjoy. This is the excellent Lauren Lolo. Spencer. Lauren Lolo Spencer, welcome to Iway. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so glad we are finally getting a chance to do this. I have been a big fan of yours for such a long time. You are so busy at the moment and you have so much going on and I want to just dive right into all of it. Um, But one of the reasons that I am so in love with you and inspired by you is because aside from the astonishing career you have, mm-hmm. um, you are an incredible a- advocate for people with disabilities. And you, as as I said to you, you know, every time I've, I've pretty much spoken to you, that it's your, the thoughtful way that you approach representation for people with disabilities that really is so needed and so necessary and something that, you know, me when I was in a wheelchair as a teenager, mm-hmm. I really could have done with you. Yeah. I really, really, I really needed someone like you to show me that I wasn't broken and that I wasn't now going to live a solitary life of no fun 
the the side of your life that you have shown on your YouTube channel, on your social media, has shown that it really is just a it's a it's it's a comma, not a full stop, if that yeah. makes sense. Yes. Yeah, as in like a period. Uh, that it's just like it's a part of you. It doesn't define you. It isn't the end of your story. And I think that that's really fucking important. And I kind of want to get into that first and foremost. As to first of all, what your journey has been with your body mm-hmm. and how you arrived at the place of wanting to make sure that young people see an authentic and hopeful side of a diagnosis like yours. So you were 14, right? Yeah, I was 14 when I was originally diagnosed with ALS. Um, I mean, since then, child, who knows what the hell is going on with my body right now. But at that time, you know, um, I I was diagnosed with something that I had never heard of, that I had no history of understanding. I had no idea what any of this was. Um, Neither did my family. Neither did any of my friends. It was a little confusing uh, in the sense of, okay, they're telling me this is what is happening with my body, but I still don't have like a full understanding of what this all means. Where did this come from? What did I do? How did this even come about? And I never got answers for that. So I was kind of in a very unique position where I could kind of create my own narrative around what it meant to have my particular diagnosis. Because the only thing that I was ever told was that your body will get weaker over time and that uh, more than likely it is going to be the reason why, you know, you transition into the next realm. And just to be clear, you were told at 14 that you had like five to seven years, right, to live. Exactly. Exactly. And then even when I did my own research online and I saw it for myself, because even being told that I was like, that doesn't make sense. I'm, I'm a teenager. I don't know what the fuck is really going on. So it's when I looked it up online. It's a insane thing to tell a teenager. It, exactly. Like, and especially when like you have no concept of what any of this means and the people that you would look to like family, friends, adults, they don't know either. So we're all kind of just winging what all of this means. Well, a lot of people aren't going to know necessarily what ALS is. So I would love mm-hmm. if you could explain it to everyone. Yes. Yeah, so ALS is an acronym that uh, fully is amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. And essentially what it is, it is it is a disease that affects the nerves in your spinal cord. So your spinal cord, it sends messages to your brain to tell your body to move, Right. ALS attacks those messages. So the brain doesn't get the message to tell certain parts of your body to move. So over time, you lose muscle mass and muscle strength all over your body. Like there is no kind of muscle that is exempt from it. So it just, but it's a very fast disease is what they always say. Like as soon as someone is diagnosed with it, the average lifespan is five to seven years upon diagnosis. And it's more commonly uh, in people who are 40 years old and up. So me being diagnosed at 14 was like this huge anomaly of how did this girl get this? Where, what is the cause? What could be the cure? Then they tell you there is no cause. There is no cure 
kind of like good luck, (laughs) you know? And so my family and I were just kind of left figuring it out. And so that's why I kind of say is like, I had the unique perspective to be able to use the power of the mind to say, no, this is the life I'm going to live instead. Like I'm hearing what doctors and professionals are telling me, but everything in me, in my spirit, in my mind, my family, the way they treat me, none of us felt like it was real. So we never treated it as if it was real, if that makes sense. It it really um, was something that we just knew that my life was going to be longer than the five to seven years and that I was going to make the life that I wanted based on my dreams and aspirations as a teenager. And how many years beyond five have you now made it? Please tell everyone. Uh, 20 years, going on 21. (laughs) Hooray! (laughs) And I mean, from where I'm standing anyway, you you seem to be fighting fit. You seem to be well. You are working crazy hours as an actress, as a model, as an influencer. You are very, very active. You look fucking delicious, frankly. You look great. You look healthy. You look happy. You also look 12. I am. <laughs> uh, so I can't believe you're the same age as me. But I, uh, I have, okay, I have a lot of complicated feelings. First of all, there okay. is now like talk considering the fact that you have lived so long and you were diagnosed at such a ridiculously young mm-hmm. age that potentially it's not ALS, even though they think it might be ALS. Mm-hmm. There's suddenly this question mark over your diagnosis, right? Yeah. So that makes me... That really disturbs me because mm-hmm. they died, They told you at 14, they gave you a death sentence at 14 that may have also mm-hmm. been the wrong fucking diagnosis and ran the risk of destroying the remaining years of your life, which has now gone on to so far be 20, may it be another 40, 60, 80 years. Yes. And you could have plunged into a depression. You could have yep. done what some people do and tried to control your own death. Do you know what I mean? That mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this... The the medical like recklessness and negligence and you know I don't know your doctor I have no idea but I cannot help but and I'm not trying to make this a race issue but you must yep. be the hundredth black person in America to tell me mm-hmm. they've been given a questionable diagnosis that I've met yeah. so far yeah yeah. So how did you find the care you were given at the time? Because I mean you mentioned that they were just like well good luck that you've got five years to live child good luck. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I will say the, the best we knew what to do. And when I say we, I mean me and my family, the best we knew what to do was a little bit of what the doctor said, but also what we wanted to do in the process. Right. So The doctors would tell us, okay, every six months we had to go to the offices and I would have to do all these different exercises and see no bullshit, a minimum of like six to 10 doctors every time I went in one day. So I'm sitting there from like 8 a.m. to damn near 8 p.m. in a doctor's office just seeing just a rotating number of doctors. I think for us, what what ended up being a little frustrating, but 
did lend itself a level of hope was that every doctor that would see me would be like, wow, you're doing really well. Wow. You're, you're actually way better than I expected you to be by this time. Wow. You're, and, and it was all of this Jesus. amazement at how well I was doing yet. There was no one that was like, are we sure we got this right? And because my family and I, again, we don't know nothing. We're just kind of going along with the flow. We didn't even think to question it either because it took a year and some change going from doctor to doctor all over Northern California. Cause that's where I lived at the time. That's where I'm from all over Northern California for us to even get this diagnosis. So even the concept that I may have been misdiagnosed wasn't even a thought that crossed anyone's mind because we're like, we saw 30 doctors up until this point. They had to have gotten it right by now. But when they would say that, we would always be like, maybe I'm just doing a good job, you know? And so it was, it was that. And then as far as like care at home, my mom and my family, nobody switched up on me, which was such a blessing. Everyone just treated me exactly the same. Yes, there were changes in my body. So there were certain little things of like, oh, my sister had to help me with maybe getting dressed with certain types of clothes. My mom had to help like make my plate for dinner instead. So I didn't have to lift anything. Um, I was able to get some accommodations at my high school as well, you know, as far as being able to get to class a little later. Cause in high school, I was only using leg braces. I hadn't started even using a wheelchair yet. I didn't start using a wheelchair until I went to college at 19. And so I was able to get all of these accommodations, but it was always from the perspective of let's help Lauren with what she needs versus giving her what she needs because she only has five to seven years. If that makes sense. Like it was like, no, we're going to just yeah. keep everything neutral. Everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be good. And we're just going to take it day by day. But what we're not going to do is speak negatively. What we're not going to do is speak anything else into existence that has not been proven to be right or wrong. We're just going to go along with the flow, stay positive, whatever Lauren wants to do. She wants to go football game. We're going to take her to the football game. She wants to go to the dances. She's going to go to the dances. And that's the kind of foundation that I had at that time. We were just kind of like winging it with positivity. <laughs> I love that. I love hearing that. I yeah. think that's really beautiful. And I'm really glad that your family did such a good job at undoing. I don't think a kid should ever be told, even if your parents were told, which is traumatic enough. I can't believe you were told that. That is so fucking yeah. fucked. I, that yeah. I'm, that I'm, mad, I'm still mad about it. Um, okay, so... Can you talk me through? So you were just, you felt fine until you were sort of like, what, 12 and a half, 13 years old, and then your health started to decline in some way. And that's what led you to the diagnosis. Yeah. So the interesting part is the only memory I have is one night my mom told us to make me and my siblings to go make our place for dinner. And our plates were in a high cabinet. And so with my right arm, which is still the arm that is significantly more limp than my left arm. I reached up in the, 
in the cabinet with my right arm, uh, which is the arm that is more uh, significantly limp than my left arm. And I grabbed it with my right arm and my whole arm dropped to the counter. And it was weird because the plate didn't drop out of my hand, but I felt my entire arm drop. And so I was a little confused, but I was like, I don't know, maybe this is just, maybe I'm just tired today. I don't know. Like I just had no concept. Um, But after I talked to my mom about it recently, actually just a few months ago, um, I was like, mom, you know, what triggered you for, for you to start taking me to the doctor about this? She said, one day you came home from school and you told me, mom, for some reason, I can't jump as high as I used to. And I don't know what's going on. And so my mom was like, okay, well then let's go to the doctor and find out what's going on. And then that is started the year and some change journey until we got the diagnosis of ALS. And so then you get the diagnosis, your family handle it like champs and you handle it like a champ. What about kids at school? Did you notice a kind of difference there? So interestingly enough, (laughs) there was no difference of the kids at my school. And I think a big part of that was because my attitude didn't change. When I went to school, I had the best counselor in the world. And he was just like, Lauren, what is it that you'll need? Because at first, you know, they did suggest like, oh, well, because now you have a disability, you should be taking the, you should be on this wing of the school where other kids with disabilities are. And for me, I was like, no, I want to be where my friends are at. My friends aren't over there. My friends are over here. Again, having no real concept of disability or disability culture. And so they were like, okay, well, if you want to go in these classes, then we'll have to give you a different desk. We're going to have to switch your locker. You'll get an excuse to, you know, get to your classes later and everything else. So I think because I still was me and I didn't feel bad, I didn't feel sad about what was happening. And I think a big part of that was still just a young teenage brain, not really grasping the severity of what the doctors are telling me or what I looked up online. I was able to just keep the same energy. And so no one switched up on me. Everyone was actually really excited the very first time I used a wheelchair. Like (laughs) they were like, oh shit, now we can roll around everywhere. Oh, it's on now. Like everyone was more excited. I love this. It was, it was such a, a, a polar opposite experience of a lot of other people with disabilities who were either diagnosed at young ages or were born with their disability and what their experiences were. And I think that's why for me, it's so important to share the fun, exciting side of disability lifestyle to help those kids who aren't, who didn't have the same support group of friends as I did at that age. And hopefully other people who are non-disabled right now, they can see like, oh, I can treat my friend at school just like I treat my other friends, you know? 
So it, it, so I think that's like what is important because I know that having that experience of such a support group of family and friends is what made all the difference in my life and where I'm at now. I mean, it's one of the main reasons I want to do on the podcast, mm-hmm. of course, to make sure that we, we have the represent- representation of a disabled person, but mostly because you just never know when disability may come to you, yep. when it may come to someone you love, someone you work with. And it's so much better to be prepared with understanding what a ginormous difference it makes to someone's entire future. Yeah. If you just take the time and care to educate yourself and not treat them as though they're different. Exactly. Because they're not. Exactly. It's the same fucking per- it's the same fucking person. You know, it's like I I say this all the time, like when I was but when I was in the wheelchair, when I'm not in the wheelchair, like the difference in the way that I was treated by the world and has never ever been able to make any sense to me because I'm the same exact girl, same personality, same words, same thoughts, still bad at Twitter. You know, like it's just <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now listen, we all carry around different stresses, big, small, medium size, and a lot of us keep them bottled up because sometimes we just have to. But doing that all of the time can really, really start to negatively impact your life. And I say that from experience. I'm British. We are told to never say how we're feeling about anything ever. And uh, that's why so many of us are so sad. Now, a way that I was able to remedy that was by having therapy, which was super helpful for me, not only because it's amazing to get things off your chest, but also all week you know as you're bottling things up because it's not always the time or place to say exactly how you feel you know you're going to get that hour where you're able to get everything off your chest and say it exactly as you want to and this therapist isn't going to take it personally and they're not going to hold it against you or throw it back in your face during an argument over dinner next week you just have this complete freedom honestly I think everyone should have therapy regardless of whether they think they need it because it's so amazing to have a confidant it's a journal that talks back to you and helps you with all of your problems. I think therapy is just a safe space to get everything off your chest to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, then maybe you should give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you can switch therapists if you don't like them anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash iWay today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash iWay. Home isn't just a place. It's a state of mind. Like curling up in a comfy chair while it's cold outside. With a warm drink or maybe even a wine in hand. As you watch the world go by outside your window. Mmm, short rib. Good afternoon, this is your captain speaking. Which is why at Delta, our people do our best to make you feel at home. Refill? Long before you get there. Delta, keep climbing. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30.
So my stylist, who is a great friend of mine and, and a mentor, Stephanie Thomas, she specializes in dressing people with disabilities. And what she mm. always says, too, is that um, one of the reasons people are so scared and awkward about disability is because disability reminds people of their demise. So when people who are non-disabled see disabled people based on the conditioning of the world, disability equals death. So when they see us, they think about, oh, my life will end if I look like that. Or I only have so long to live if I lived like that. And so no one wants to look at us because they don't want to be reminded of death. Whether that's Mm. death of their personality, death of their social life, death of their dating life, death in Mm. general, like no one wants to know what the end could possibly look like. And unfortunately, disability has always been the poster child of the end of your life or the post massively exacerbated by Hollywood. Exactly that. Almost all of the fucking films are always the disabled person is the sad sob story arc for the pers- the non-disabled person who's maybe fallen in love mm-hmm. with them or who cares for mm-hmm. them. And then that person almost invariably dies. And also when we meet them, they're always like bitter yep. and angry. Mm-hmm. And then they become softer and then they die. Yeah. Um, exactly. That is the story that that's the story I grew up seeing. Yes. That's the story I thought my life was going to be. Yes. That's the story all my friend, friends with disability thought that their lives were going to be. Mm-hmm. That's all we see. Like it's a it's a tool of tragedy yeah. to showcase another actor's performance of sadness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, often, obviously, with the non with a non disabled actor playing the person with a disability, and then they win an Academy Award because it was so amazing for them to be able to channel that from no experience whatsoever. Exactly. It's is extremely stressful. But extremely. You're here to change. You're here to change the fucking. Oh game. yeah, big big time. Oh the, the, the yeah. Oh, people have no idea. People have no idea <laughs> what well, goes the on roles in this that brain. you're doing. I mean, <laughs> the roles that you are doing. I mean, you were just nominated for a Spirit Award yes. alongside J Lo yes. and <laughs> a bunch of my favorite. I was it Octavia, Octavia Spencer, Spencer was also yep. one of the nominees. It's just you're you're fucking killing it, and you're taking roles that are incredibly empowering. Uh, the sex lives of college yes. girls. You are so cool and inspiring in that show, yes. and I'm so glad that you've been picked up for a second season. Yes, indeed, but the 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 work you take, I I gather, is very consciously in line with the way you would like people with disabilities to be shown more often. Oh yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, everything that I've chosen, any anything like that has always been about the storyline, right? I've had to tell my agents at a certain point, like, stop sending me medical-based roles. I want to be a human. I want to be a person. I want to be a character. I want to have a vibe. I want to have an energy. I want to have a personality. Even if that personality... Style. Style. Like, even if that personality, Mm -hmm. if I even was the villain, then let it be about me being pissed because somebody did something versus me being mad that I have a disability. And so I'm mad at everyone else. So I am very, very, very strategic 
about that. Um, I think the... Did you get sent a lot of stuff like that? Oh, yeah. Not the villain role, the the medical roles. It's always, oh... Oh, no, but you could never be the villain. That would that would, that would would require being, like, empowered and powerful in any way. Exactly, and a badass. Um, we, we like to give villains um, mental health stigma. That's what we like to increase uh, with villains, is they, they have a, a mental health issue. Exactly. That's how. Exactly. That's how we do that. Exactly that. Exactly that. But no, I, I I was getting, but see, then there's also those roles that I would get that were over the top, uh, trying to prove that it wasn't about the disability to where it was like unrealistic, right? To where it was like, I remember getting this one role and it- An acrobat? <laughs> <laughs> something like it though <laughs> something very like it to where it was like but even personality wise it was like oh i'm not mad that i have a disability i'm a badass and i'm this and i'm that but like the dialogue was literally that to where it's like y'all don't even gotta say all this like why can't her line just be like i'm confident in who i am but you know what i mean so it's like even some of the dialogue lends itself to attempt to not be about the disability but it's like it's clear that you're still using the disability as a crux to not let the disability win if that makes sense so it's yeah just like, it's like yeah and it's it still makes the disability your story it still makes the disability your story and then you have all of these yeah i mean they still do it to like character racial back people from racial backgrounds we still do it to fat people exactly like and it also, you know, like going, just thinking back for a second to what you were saying earlier about, you know, why people feel uncomfortable looking at people with disabilities. I think just again, to like we talk a lot about uh, the fat community mm-hmm. and how people similarly just want to kind of distance themselves from them because they feel as though, oh God, I don't want to look yeah. like that. What if I look like yeah. that? And so just to like be able to find a way to maybe relate further to some people who might be listening to this. Mm-hmm. It's the same, it's the same shit. Same shit. You, you project your own fear of something onto someone else and then think, if I don't, you know, the way someone else looks, like the way someone else walks isn't contagious. And even if it is, it's not the end of the fucking world. And I think that's the big part of what you are trying to show people. You have this amazing YouTube channel called Sitting Pretty. And again, that is you showing a very realistic and sometimes messy and chaotic and fun uh, and extremely bold lifestyle. Exactly that. And warts and all, you don't really hide anything Mm -mm. from what I can see in this channel. Can you talk to me a little bit about starting Sitting Pretty? So the interesting part is I started Sitting Pretty as a way to rebel against an old boss. I had, uh, mm-hmm. I was working a full-time job at the time and, uh, I had a, a, uh, previous employer who kind of gave me one of those talks of like, well, if you don't fix this, we might have to let you go energy. And so of course, with them having no concept of how challenging it is to be employed as a person with a disability, let alone get paid well, have a good paying position, um, and you know how those jobs have health insurance and all these different things. Them cutting me off because of something they didn't like was literally them saying they were going to cut me off, even though they had no concept of this. The way I took it is like, oh, you're trying to cut me off for my entire lifestyle, my entire life in general, my health insurance, my well-being, my rent, my food, my water, all of these different things. And sorry, just before we move mm-hmm. on, I just want to jump in on yeah. that because 
it's really fucking important because so many people don't understand, especially in the United States, but also it's the same in the UK, how fucked the financial support situation is for people with disabilities. It's like you think the healthcare part is the worst part of America and then you find out about the rules and regulations around people with disabilities. I mean, you were told to live off, what, $750 a a month? A month. A month. month, Um, In Los Angeles, by the way. in in LA, you were told to live off seven hundred and fifty dollars a month because you hadn't yet had the had enough employment to prove that you were quote unquote worth mm-hmm. more money per month than that. Not taking into account that you're getting this money in the first place because you have a motherfucking disability, which has stopped you from being employed. Because pre pandemic, no one knew that you could work from fucking home. Now the whole world works from home and everyone's made all of the possible <laughs> adjustments they could. Um, exactly. Th- you're slapping a lot of things right now. So I take it you're agreeing with me. 100,000%. And and you're not allowed to have more than $2,000 in your fucking bank account. And most people with disability are afraid to even get married. Yep. A lot of people with disabilities don't want to get married Because you could lose your disability income based on your spouse or something like that. Because Yeah, and their income and and so and if you have two disabled people getting married, they will both lose their disabled income. It is fucking terrifying. It's it it's 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 and the thing is it's not even based on where you live at either. So like I was Mm -hmm. saying, the seven fifty a month in LA, because maybe maybe 750 would work in like Nebraska or some shit like that. But even Mm -hmm. then 750 is still pennies in Nebraska. So now you're adding LA, one of the most expensive cities in the world to live. And you're still only giving me 750 a month. So when that, and no free healthcare, no, that barely covers health. Exactly. Exactly that. And then the facilities, for the health child, I just, there's so many, there's so many directions that this conversation can go. It's just all over the places. It's not high quality health care. Those doctors don't give a fuck about you. The doctors that, for people who do have good health care, those doctors still don't give a fuck about you. So it's like, where do you go to get help? So when this employer threatened to take all of that away from me to go back to living on 750 a month, no more than $2,000 in my account at a time. I was like, oh, I have to figure out a way to have control of my livelihood because no one is going to take this away from me. Like I, like I just became so incredibly determined. And so because mm-hmm. I had got my degree in TV production, I knew how to put on a production. I know how to set up a camera. I know how to get decent lighting. Audio editing was my emphasis in my major. So I knew how to video edit. And I was like, I'm going to start a YouTube channel. And I'm going to talk about my life because that's the only thing that I know how to talk about really well. (laughs) And that Mm -hmm. people seem to be kind of fascinated by or intrigued or entertained with. So I just started that. And I wanted to make sure that I focused on topics that I saw other disabled people not talking about on YouTube, but also those topics that people don't talk about in real life to each other when it comes to dating, sex, Mm -hmm. travel, 
uh, going out, having a social life, uh, finding employment, all of those different things that everyone can relate to, but nobody really understood a real, authentic, positive perspective in most cases um, with regards to disability. So I wanted to talk about that and I wanted to show it. And, you know, even at the beginning, my mom told me, she was like, Lauren, are you sure you want to cuss as much as you do in your videos? Like what if brands or, you know, people get turned off by it? Then And then I told her, I was like, well, then those aren't my people because I have to be as authentic to myself as possible. Um, and mm-hmm. because I curse like a sailor, um, say where it is. Yeah, exactly. You know, because what mm-hmm. I didn't want to do is have to front. We should work for some sort of sailor brand, shouldn't we? Something. Some sort of- yeah. Wouldn't that be a we'll vibe? We'll work on that. Yes. Sorry. As yeah. you were saying. <laughs> that would be a vibe. And so, and so, yeah. So I was just like, I don't want nobody fucking with me if they don't really fuck with me. And the only way people know who I am is by me showing who I am and being authentic about it. And so that's, that's always been kind of like my foundation for any topics I discuss on, on Sitting Pretty. And what would you say are some of the more the most like explicit and uh and i i mean that in a very very positive way mm-hmm. what would you say are some of the most kind of like even i don't know maybe you even were like oh shit do i want to put this on here mm. what would you say is the most out there thing you have put on your youtube channel i would probably say um the feminine hygiene one was one i was a little mm-hmm. nervous about Um, (laughs) only because to admit that to the world that I was suffering from back-to-back yeast infections and I didn't know what to do and I had to figure out how to take care of my vagina properly because I didn't want to. Why? The world has so much information. We're just given so much information about women's gynecology. No one's awkward talking about it. it. Exactly. Exactly that. And, you know, and I and, and I didn't want the doctors to keep giving me these pills to keep popping to keep my pH balance when. After Google searching in a deep Google search, because it was not readily available, especially for wheelchair users. A big part of it is because I just wasn't getting the airflow because I'm a wheelchair user. Mm-hmm. So I had to figure out what that was. So that was definitely one of the ones that I was a little nervous about. Um, what do you do in that case? You like create a little hole in the wheelchair? Like, what do you do? <laughs> you know, that's actually Loki. No, I'm that's serious. That's kind of genius. I didn't even think about that. Um, but no, so for me, luckily I am ambulatory. So I do have the ability to stand and walk outside of my, my wheelchair. So what yeah, yeah. I... Air out. I've been able to air her out, nice. but I use a blow dryer. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are really thrown off. Oh, sure. At, on the cool, on the cool yes, setting, I take yes. it. Yes, and we just Lovely. do one of these every time I get out the shower. And especially like after having sex and I go take a shower and then I come back and I just, I have to tell whoever I slept with like, hey, just so you know, I'm blow drying my, my pussy right now. Um, it's just because it helps keep my pH balanced and they would sit there and watch and I'm spread Eagle on the bed, just blowing my shit. And I mean, no one's upset to see that. No one. I mean, I feel like, and you know, it's interesting. Every guy that I, that could be a genre, I think on Pornhub. (laughs) It should be (laughs) care, just hygiene care. Every guy was like, no, I've never. I've never seen that, but I'm actually really <laughs> happy to know that you're taking care of yourself. I'm, yes, 
I am. Because this <laughs> shit gets uncomfortable sitting when you when your pH is off. And so it's like, you know, vitamin C, lots and lots and lots and lots of water, uh, organic cranberry juice, um, all these different things, all these different things. I'm really not mad at my suggestion of the little hole in the seat. I, I, to be, that is genius, actually. Like, that didn't even cross my mind. <laughs> but honestly, you I wouldn't be mad at that. You stick the hairdryer under there just halfway through the day and just get straight to sort. See what I'm saying? Because on those hot days, it gets a little tricky. It gets a little tricky. We should patent that. Yeah, we should definitely <laughs> do that. I would be down. Um, talk to me about, talk to me about dating. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, so that's the, the, this is the answer I get every time I ask anyone on this podcast <laughs> about that. Um, but dating with a disability, Ooh. talk to me about it. But. Talk about a journey. Dating mm-hmm. with a disability has been a true self-love journey. Um, it's the only area of my life where I feel like I get tested the most on how much I love myself um, and how confident of a person am I really? Because to date with a disability, especially when you have a visible disability, you're already dealing with society in general, but then you have to prove uh, you get this feeling because you don't have to do shit you don't want to do. So you get a feeling that you have to prove that you're woman enough to be a man's partner. Um, I even asked once in a clubhouse room, thank God I'm no longer on there, but in a clubhouse room where um, I asked a group of non-disabled men and I said, what is really your reservation on dating a woman with a disability? Like why? And a majority of them had said because they're afraid that they wouldn't be able to have kids with that woman. Like if they fell in love with that woman, married her, they couldn't have kids. And I was like, well, you know, that's a conversation and that's completely false because a lot of disabled women are still able to have children. Um, Mm -hmm. So. And lots of women who aren't disabled and lots of people who aren't disabled can't have children. Hello, exactly that. But you're willing to take the chance. Anyways, so. Yes. Um, but it's been a true self-love journey um, and a confidence journey. Um, I have predominantly dated using apps because nobody approaches me in mm-hmm. person. And the people that have approached me in person have all been creeps and nobody wants that energy. Um, no. And so that's where it is. And it's a constant up and down roller coaster. To be completely honest, it's it's tough because I'm constantly trying to prove that I am a good partner in spite of having a disability. Um, And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And it's. Yeah. And also it feels important. In no way am I trying to uh, diminish your experience, but I also just want to be clear that. I'm sure there's a lot of people who don't have a disability who are listening to this and relating to everything you're saying because it's also just a fucking pool of rats. It's a shit show. (laughs) It is an absolute shit show dating right now. And I think that's the thing that makes it even more challenging is when you know non-disabled women are having an 
equal amount of a challenge, then you add disability on top of it. So it's like the pool of rats that you get to choose from is even smaller pool of rats because only Mm. that small pool are the ones that are even opening themselves to even have a conversation with you or wild or just want to get to know you or date you or see you as, as a woman first. I was frustrated because I've been kind of going through this low key semi breakup situation as of recently. Mm -hmm. And, um, I told my mom, I was venting to my mom and I was like, yo mom, I'm just tired of having to prove that I'm human. Mm. Everyone sees me and what I do in my career, but also having a disability and being positive, living with a disability as being this superwoman, superhero woman archetype mm-hmm. that they don't think that I feel. They don't think that I hurt. They don't think that I am struggling. They don't think anything like that. So they treat me as if and you add the black woman stereotype. Girl, you add the black well. woman on top of it too. Mm-hmm. They think, oh, they can just throw bullets at you all day long and you're just going to bounce it off and not trip and it's not going to bother you. And so it's tough. It's tough. It's very, 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 very tough. But I think you are a part of steering the change. Yeah. And and also you're a beautiful woman. Uh, like, thank you. <laughs> like, ex- excessively hot and (laughs) and I think it's really cool that you are taking the roles and spreading the message Mm -hmm. and empowering more people to look at those with disabilities as uh as people who are sexy Mm -hmm. and fun Mm -hmm. and cool Mm -hmm. and stylish Mm -hmm. and you have bold hair and bold fashion choices and you turn heads and Mm -hmm. I think that it's incredibly cool considering the fact that you have had to go through all of these things yourself that have made you question your own confidence etc I think it's really great that you are now channeling all of that into change yes and we just need more people like that you know I had Gillian Mercado on uh this podcast before I don't know if you've ever met her yeah I met Gillian before yeah she's great and and we were talking about you know she was talking about the fact that some people when it comes to dating think that she's too fragile to be able to have sex and she's like no I just want to be thrown I just want to be thrown around girl I just want a little choke. And so, I just want a little choke. Not too bad. Yeah, yeah. Just like a little one. Just a little one. Okay. But yes, exactly that. That there's that piece of it too. And everyone's so afraid to have the fucking conversation. It's like, I know. let's just talk this out, please. And then that's the problem. Nobody knows how to fucking communicate. So you can't even have an adult, decent conversation about these things that people are thinking about, but for some reason don't want to discuss. I mean, isn't that just the foundation of every issue that we're seeing Literally. when it comes to consent in our society? We just can't talk about this stuff. It's just you're getting the most exaggerated and exacerbated exactly. side of this. But everyone should look at this as a symptom of a much bigger fundamental foundational problem. 100%. That we have as a whole in our society. Exactly. You're just shining You're just shining a light on it. And it's, it's uh, more, I guess it's more prevalent for you because of... Because if it's it's fear, like all discrimination yep. is not always just steeped in hatred. It's steeped in fear. And, and a lot of people don't think they're discriminating when they choose to just not look yep. and not engage. Mm-hmm. 
because they're not actively trying to take away your rights, but they are denying your humanity and not engaging with you and learning about you and asking you to at least speak for yourself. Exactly. It's treating disabled people as if they are a monolith. Exactly. And they all have the same story. They all have the same needs. They all have the same fragilities and strengths. Exactly. They are these stoic heroes. Mm -hmm. They're not always stoic. I was a bit of a cunt, yeah. if I'm honest. <laughs> not because of my disability. I was always a cunt. <laughs> I'm still a cunt now. <laughs> like, that part. I wasn't. I wasn't Jesus on wheels. It, you know what I mean? Like, there's. It's in the in the wild <laughs> part about you saying that. Even in my dating life, uh, I've had exes be surprised that I would talk back or fight back or defend myself in an argument or so sure. I literally was told by one of my most toxic exes. He said, you know, you got a lot of mouth for someone with a disability. You talk a lot of shit for someone with a disability. And I'm like, what is if you're a charity case who's so lucky to have someone? Exactly that. And then we have to be careful of those guys who try to date you and try to get the gold star because I'm dating someone with a disability. I'm so open-minded. I'm so free. I'm such an ally. Fuck you. Like, you ain't doing shit for me. <laughs> like, you still get on my goddamn nerves. So how are you helping my life in any way? So, yeah. So there is there is that. That's why it's just so important that whatever you're... Per and to not fall into feeling you have to be an inspiration to other people because you have a disability. I come across that a lot with people who follow me on, on social media. They'll ask me like, you know, how can I be an inspiration like you? And you know, all these different things. I'm like, do you want to be an inspiration for real? Because mm -hmm. you don't have to be, if you don't want to trust me, like. Well, so what's so inspiring about you is that you're not always trying to be an inspiration. I don't, I literally do not create anything to inspire. That is never my goal. <laughs> that is never my goal. If people so happen to be inspired by it, I am grateful. I am thankful. Mm -hmm. I really do thank God every day for that. But I don't make this to be like... I'm exactly the same, yeah. by the way. Like, I think that's why we get on so well is like, I'm exactly the same where I'm like, I, I, I'm bringing um, fuck up inspiration. Exactly. I'm here to be the role model for the fuck ups. You know what I mean? For the people who fell and are going to try and get back up. Exactly. Uh, covered in their own shit. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We don't have to be. Because we need that representation. Exactly. You think disability representation is bad. What about fuck up <laughs> representation? We have almost no women in that area. Definitely not brown women. Exactly. Definitely no black women. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know what you're complaining about or your lack of representation. What about people like exactly me? Exactly that. What about the people who keep uh, fucking up? Who just... Yeah, Where's, we just get erased from society, <laughs> but I'm still here <laughs> on my own. <laughs> exactly. Begging for another chance. Exactly. Yeah, another chance. I just need another chance. Somebody help me. Please help me, please. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Where's my podcast episode? No, yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> exactly that. Exactly that. Home isn't just a place. It's a state of mind. Like curling up in a comfy chair as you watch the world go by. Good afternoon. Which is why at Delta, our people do our best to make you feel at home long before you get there. Delta, keep climbing. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hold up. 
I think that it's really important to not like fall into the deity um, trap. Yeah. Yeah. That people hold you to. It's really odd. I mean, that's another, de- it's, it's dehumanizing. Again, oh, 100%. you're not doing anyone any favors. You're, you're, you're denying them the right to be, to have the spectrum of emotions of, as everyone exactly. else. Exactly. It's one of the reasons why I don't like going to church. I love God. I have a great relationship with God, but I don't like going to mm-hmm. church because it's like, as soon as I show up in a wheelchair, I am a miracle waiting to happen for everyone in the congregation to witness. And I'm mm-hmm. the one that everybody wants to lay hands on and pray over. And all these, I get offers to be prayed on P-R-A-Y-E-D just, and pray yeah, yeah, just yeah. P-R-E-Y too. Um, you know, know, when I'm out and about in the world so much and I decline it one, because it's like, I don't know you. So I don't know, you even know what kind of energy or spirit you got. But secondly, why am I the one whose life you feel like is going to be the miracle change when the person standing next to me could be battling with addiction and you don't even know it. I'm good, mm. but you don't think that this person needs prayer. If you're going to pray for me, pray for every single other person in this place because I mean you're so good you're so good that um when I asked you in our pre-interview the question about you know like this is a mental health podcast I was like how's your mental health been you were like yeah I'm fine like I've always been fine it's just not something that you have personally struggled with and yet you have I'd say almost the majority of of American society mm-hmm. struggling with some form of mental health issue is that eating disorder or to mm-hmm. say like a uh, depression or anxiety or yeah or uh addiction etc yeah you know we have everyone struggling and because you can't see it no one reaches out to you no one helps and and also no one treats you like a burden exactly exactly and that's the thing because even because here's the thing right like especially now when it comes to mental health and this is something that I'm more so recently learning, um, because especially in the black community, we don't talk about mental health. We never grew up talking about mental health. We just thought, oh, that's just our crazy cousin or that's just, you know, that's just how they get mm-hmm. down. Same, they, they, same for South Yeah, Asian. exactly. Like, oh, they're just tripping today. And it's just like, no, there's something to that. Um, but like, even for me, uh, what I did I have learned that I have my moment dealing with mental health. I, for me, I don't really, I don't know. I don't know. I never actually went to like a doctor to, to about a diagnosis of anything, but I do know that I have my moments of anxiety that get really bad and I get triggered. Like my, I don't, sometimes my brain, especially when I'm like really stressed and doing a lot, it, it really gets really tricky. I was on uh, the plane yesterday and I forgot to take my battery out of my wheelchair and put it up in the plane. So it was underneath the plane. And I started thinking like, oh my God, what if this battery explodes? And it's just like, the battery's not going to explode, Lauren. Like, you're going to be fine. The plane is going to be fine. But I literally couldn't even relax until we landed. Like literally the... The um, flight attendant, they told me, they were like, no, it's completely fine. You're totally fine. If it was going to be an issue, we would have flagged it before. And I was just like, but are you sure? Because that, like, so I have my moments with mental health, but, you know, for the most part. I don't know. I don't know if that sounds like a problem with your mental health. I think if you think a battery in your wheelchair is going to (laughs) explode, I think I'd be more worried about you. 
if you weren't worried about that. It's something that I'm starting to learn more and more about myself. Yeah. Is that I, like, I thought I had like some sort of general anxiety disorder. Me too. Uh, but because I was <laughs> so often anxious, but I realised it's because I wasn't ever honouring my needs socially, mm. culturally, uh, emotionally, physically. I was just always trying to sort of quote unquote battle through yeah. uh, scenarios that made me feel incredibly uncomfortable. And, and I was just fucking uncomfortable because now in my last, like, I sort of figured this out about a year and a half ago mm-hmm. um, and started to live uh, very selfishly mm. uh, in that in that I just like in a self-preservation way where I just stopped doing anything that made me uncomfortable. Interesting. Uh, my anxiety has gone away. And so I was like, oh, shit, maybe I don't have an anxiety disorder. Oh, Maybe wow. I was just living in a way that wasn't integral to my own needs. That's not to say other people don't have right, anxiety disorders. I know people who do. Uh, but I think a lot of our anxieties are, are deeply rational and based on the fact that especially as women, mm-hmm. we feel the need to just power on. Do you know what? I am going to pay more attention to that because I, again, I'm just calling it moments of anxiety thinking that that's what it is you know um it's very valid stress not that anxiety isn't valid right, I'm of just course, saying of that, course. you know like that's a it's very it's, it's very fucking it, it's 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 completely appropriate yeah. to feel anxious on a plane generally <laughs> never mind if you think your wheelchair is gonna fucking explode <laughs> like, I, I can't think of a time more valid or appropriate to be concerned. <laughs> well, thank you for affirming me in that because yes, I thought I was really I, tripping. Yeah. Like you might also have anxiety. I'm just saying that as an example, that's not a very good one. <laughs> or in you know what? That is completely, completely fucking fair. That is completely. <laughs> but see, that's the thing, right? Is like I'm, I'm constantly trying to figure out like what's going on. Going no, on, no, I mean it's know? a it's a really stress it's a stressful it's world a stress- for anyone. It's, never mind someone yeah. who's walking through the world is like you know you have to, and so like it's just uh, it's it's just look it's, it's a lot it's 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 a lot it's a lot to deal with. You're it taking is. on a lot. You're also working so much, yeah. and and you're having to explicitly be the change that you want to see in the world, yeah. which is fun and exciting yes. and. And it uplifts other people, but also, you know, it's fucking exhausting. It's a lot of responsibility. It is. Can you tell me just a little bit, just as we're coming to a close, mm-hmm. what your work has meant to other people? Oh, my gosh. Um, you know, the messages that I've gotten from people who've watched videos or, or left comments, you know, the general consensus is that there's so many uh people who feel just a lot more confident having their disability now because they've seen something that I've created or um, watched something and and took something that I said to heed and applied it to their own life. You know, I did um, a video a long time ago about employment and I believe I gave tips on like how to get a job basically. And uh, one young lady sent me a DM and she said, I took your advice and I actually got hired on for a job. Um, I've had, I've had girls who um, applied the tips that I had for dating apps onto their profiles. And they're like, I've got three dates set up this week. And I'm like, 
girl, you're killing me because I ain't got no day set up this week. You know what I mean? But it just, it's those moments. I've got parents in my DMs saying, thank you so much. Like as my daughter gets older, like, because they'll have like really young children. Um, yeah. You know, as my daughter gets older, like to know that there's someone that she's going to be able to look up to and relate to and be able to just be a woman and be human about her experience. I'm just really grateful, you know, for, for the work that you're doing. So I get so much love from so many different areas and so many different people that um, it is the driving force. Like now it's like, okay, people are really needing this and they're using it the way that I intend for people to get it, which is the really important part is that I don't feel like my message is being misunderstood. I feel like people are grasping it and they're understanding it and they're applying it to their own lives. And so that's been really, really special to witness and see like in comments and in DMs and stuff like that. And so what is your hope now uh, for the future? I don't mean like climate change and everything. I'm yeah. talking about like just specifically when it comes to the subjects in which you advocate. Like, what do you hope for going forward? Man, you know, I just hope that people fucking chill out when it comes to people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. Like, yo, stop tripping. Stop being scared. Stop being afraid. Stop being weird and awkward. Stop. Just chill out. Just really recognize people with disabilities as being human first. I just want our humanity to lead before our disability. And I want young black girls with disabilities to know that they are worthy, that they are loved, that they are appreciated, that they are wanted, that they are desired. Um, Because black woman disability or not, those are all things that we struggle with. But even more so when you have a disability, you know, it's like you said, exacerbated even more for our experience. So I want that to be shown. And then I want women with disabilities to know that they can be sexy, that they are desired, that they are loved, that they can have sex freely and uh, enjoy themselves and date and have multiple partners if they want, if that's what they want. You know, I want it to feel empowering, fun, and just like I say with sitting pretty, like just continue to showcase disability in a fun, fly, sexy kind of way. And I just want that to be applied moving forward. So that way I can just stop talking about it. <laughs> that is the goal, isn't it? Because goal- honestly, we want to like, <laughs> yes. we want to write ourselves out of a job. Yes. Like we want, <laughs> we don't want to have to do this anymore. I don't want to have to do this um, forever. You're the best. Thank you, Paul. I really, I really love talking to you every time we chat. I Let's know. Let's go get a drink. No, seriously. When I come back to LA. No, seriously, hang please. Out. No, we're, we're going to def- get deeply inappropriate. Deeply inappropriate. <laughs> and I cannot wait. <laughs> All right. Okay. So before we go and get a drink together, will you tell me, Lauren, what do you weigh? I weigh my advocacy, my disability advocacy, I weigh my femininity. I weigh my blackness. I weigh my style. (laughs) Um, I weigh my ability to communicate my thoughts. I weigh how much I get to turn up. 100%. 
And I feel like you weigh the freedom you have given yourself. Yes. And others to have the permission to live life on your own terms. Yes. Let's add that too. <laughs> right. <laughs> I love that. Um, That's perfect. You're, you're just a dream. You're a dream. And I'm so excited for everyone to hear this conversation. Yes. Disabled, non-disabled, doesn't matter. Everyone needs to hear this conversation. We need to have more of these conversations constantly until this is no longer a conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. I can't wait. Well, you get back to your extremely busy life and all your award nominations. (laughs) And I will see you really soon. Yes, I will see you soon. Can't wait. Thank you. Of course. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I Weigh with Jamila Jamil is produced and researched by myself, Jamila Jamil, Aaron Finnegan, and Kimmy Gregory. It is edited by Andrew Carson, and the beautiful music you are hearing now is made by my boyfriend, James Blake. If you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It's a great way to show your support. We also have a bonus series exclusively on Stitcher Premium called Ask Jamila Anything. Check it out. You can get a free month of Stitcher Premium by going to stitcher.com forward slash premium and using the promo code IWAY. Lastly, over at iWay, we would love to hear from you and share what you weigh at the end of this podcast. You can leave us a voicemail at 1-818-660-5543 or email us what you weigh at iwaypodcast at gmail.com. And now... We would love to pass the mic to one of our fabulous listeners. I weigh my friends and family. I weigh my resilience, my strength. I weigh my passion for mental health and for every other thing that I can learn about day after day. Home isn't just a place. It's a state of mind. Like curling up in a comfy chair as you watch the world go by. Good afternoon. Which is why at Delta, our people do our best to make you feel at home long before you get there. Delta, keep climbing. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave.